Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Cracked Racket show, a man you know best as the head coach of the University of Virginia men's tennis team, a man whose team rides a 19-match win streak heading into this weekend, Sweet 16. Welcome back to the show, head coach Andres Pedroso. Coach, how are you doing today? Great. Great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Always uh, love being on your uh, your podcast. No, you say that now, but I got 25 minutes to change your mind. Uh, obviously, with, <laughs> with that said, a uh, place I want to start is with uh, your guys this past weekend. And obviously for your team, it was a successful opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. 4-0 win over FDU, 4-0 win over VCU. Let's just start with last weekend. How would you assess the opening of the NCAA tournament for your team? Uh, business-like. Yeah, you know, re- really, really solid performance, double singles across the board. Uh, I just felt like guys were ready. So, yeah, they're uh, they're being super professional and and it was a great start. So all you can ask for as a as a head coach. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the big lineup decisions we saw submitted by you all is the decision to move Gianni Ross up to that number five spot, Barbatzer up to, uh, down to that number six. Now, again, the margins between these spots so thin this season in college tennis, but what ultimately led for you uh, to make that decision? Yeah, just based on records. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time Gianni was like 16 and two and, and Barr was, I think, nine and seven or 10 and seven, something like that. So I just felt like you know, that needed to be, that move needed to be done. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean, obviously it paid dividends for you all last week. And I am curious, as I look at your lineup, I want to start with the doubles because you guys have played 15 different pairings this season, which is on the higher side, but perhaps more pressingly, you've only had two teams play more than 10 matches together. What has yeah. led to the constant tinkering and experimentation for you in doubles? You know, we talked about this on our last 
podcast. I mean, we've got a lot of great options and we've got a lot of players that can play doubles. And, you know, we had some guys a little sick this year, so they had to sit out just like a little tiny little injuries that I gave guys, you know, a match off here and there. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do that this year because we've got so many great options. So that was, that was the the mindset behind all the variety that you saw uh, in our doubles play this year. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you will continue to experiment throughout this NCAA tournament? Or do you feel like you have your teams now? Honestly, I'm going to keep my options open because (laughs) like I said, we've got great options. I mean, for example, we threw in Alex Kiefer Mm -hmm. in the ACC tournament with Gianni at three and Alex played great. Alex played great. And him and Gianni were in a position to win every match they played. And so that's just an example of a guy just stepping up and, when his name is called and, and ready to play. And, and we've got, we've got several guys like that, that haven't been consistently in the, in the doubles lineup. So it's just a, a product of having great options and also trying to keep guys fresh throughout the year so that they can be at their best right now. Yeah, no, to your point of all the guys who have played, every guy in your roster who has played a singles match this season won the last match that they competed in, which I have to say, it's what, I think 10 different guys or whatever it may be. It's probably the only roster in the country where you can say that. And, you know, again, looking at your roster, trying to set the scene for all of our fans, all these college tennis fans, as we approach the Sweet 16, uh, you guys are 24 and 5. You guys have won 19 consecutive matches, and I know we talked about that the last time we we have you on this show, but I am curious if you were to name a team MVP for the 2022 Virginia Cavaliers, who would you pick and why? It's a tough one because guys have been on a roll uh, for a few months now. I mean, you know, just based on records, he he wins by a hair is, is Jeffrey von der Schulenberg because when we went through that stretch in February of those five matches where we lost them in a row, um, you know, he, he came out of most of those matches, uh, with a W and I think that maybe like gave him a little bit of an edge record wise on the other guys, but honestly, we've been so good down low in the lineup. Um, I'm really proud of our second years for embracing the top of the lineup and doing such a great job there after watching Carl Soderlund do such a great job last year. It's, I really couldn't give an MVP, but if you're looking at records, I mean, I think Jeffrey's like 19 and one or 20 and one something crazy like that um you can't say enough about what he's done his first two years at uva i was telling him the other day i was like it's like hey man you got to read your resume every now and then (laughs) and you gotta you gotta you gotta recognize how phenomenal it is because i think you're one of two or three guys in the history of our program to make the ncaa tournament his first two years in the singles championships um, at least over the last 20 years. And I think I thought of Alex Damajan, I thought of Mitchell Frank, but I couldn't think of anyone else. Um, I'm not sure if Samda made it his first year, but Jeffrey's had an gr- unbelievable college career. So, I mean, if I, if, if I had to give the MVP to somebody by a hair, it would probably be Jeffrey. Yeah, I was thinking through as well. I was like, I remember Damajan because his sophomore year, he probably came closest of anyone to beating Stevie in that 2012 NCAA tournament. Don't worry, we're not going to do five minutes on Damajan this time. We can save that for the end <laughs> of the show. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you talk about Jeffrey. He's on a 12-match win streak. You know, uh, Ryan Getz, 10-match win streak. And Gianni Ross, 8-match win streak. Let me do a different perspective as you look at your roster. Because obviously you talk about those second years and the jumps that they have all made. 
Who is the most improved player since the start of the season for Virginia? Hmm. It's a tough one. Um, Only hard questions here. The Barbara Walters of yeah, college tennis coach. Most improved player? Um, you know, if I had to pick pick one, I'd probably say Chris Rodesh uh, because he's he's improved so much in doubles. I really think he's playing his best doubles now. Barr's been an unbelievable influence on him on the doubles court and singles court. Um, so they, they've, that's been a really cool relationship to observe and witness and see how Barr's taken Chris under his wing. And, and helped him on the doubles court and singles court. And, um, and Chris has really, he's really improved at, at, uh, at playing in that top spot and looking like our number one player and, 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 and having the game to, to be capable and, and a force up there. So I'm, yeah, I mean, most improved, if I had to give it somebody, probably, probably Chris. I'm curious as you're coaching all these sophomores and not just Chris, but I mean all these guys in general because it's a balance you have to strike. Obviously, you are the head coach of the University of Virginia, and your job is to earn as many victories as possible for Virginia. At the same time, I know you pride yourself as a developer, and certainly guys like Chris, Inyaki, Jeffrey, probably everyone in the lineup has some sort of pro tennis aspiration. How do you massage perhaps the inclination to, I don't want to say overcoach, but to be a controlling coach and to tr- you know control the things you can control versus letting those guys sit out on court, you know, develop on their own and kind of think through things themselves? Well, I'm lucky enough to be the coach at the University of Virginia, which is a very attractive place on many fronts. And so luckily we're able to get a lot of interest from some of the best players in the world. And a lot of those players do a lot of things naturally that, um, that means I don't need to overcoach out there and I need to trust their feel. And I need to, part of my job is to get them to trust their instincts. Mm -hmm. And so I would consider myself a coach that tries to only speak in matches when I have something profound to say. Um, and, and just make sure I'm just positive on the sidelines and make sure that I'm, I'm in there in the fight with the guys, but, but, Each guy has a few, one or two key things that they need to do repetitively in order to play their best tennis. And, and I think they have a really good idea of that. And, you know, when they get a little lost, I'll come in and say something, but for the most part, I want these guys to be independent out there, out there and, and trust their field. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, given the sort of season that it was again, best five and five team in college tennis history, you guys have now ripped off 19 consecutive victories in a row. What has been managing that roller coaster like for you and trying to make sure, you know, again, early in the season, the guys aren't quitting. And now later in the season, the guys don't get complacent. Well, like I said before, uh, when we talked a few months ago, the month of February was just phenomenal for us. It was just it was so, so helpful in the sense that they got guys to to have some honest conversations with each other, Um, you know, this sense of urgency of practice only improved our identity and matches improved. And we just really got together with each loss and just said, okay, Hey, and honestly, Alex, we did get better with each loss, even though we kept losing, we got better with each loss. I really left every, every one of those losses. And I'd look over at Scott and be like, that was better than the last time. (laughs) So, so, uh, so we were getting closer and closer and closer and, and it's just really, given me more conviction for 
on an annual basis, creating the toughest schedule I can possibly schedule for my players. Cause I think it's so good for them. Um, and they need to embrace that and, and playing the best teams over and over again. And I, I would encourage a lot of coaches to do that because it's so for, unfortunately our egos, um, allow us to learn a lot more from our losses than our wins after we win a lot of times we can just kind of like think everything's okay so um yeah i mean the month of february was unbelievable for us and then from there i tried to keep that same sense of urgency through the wins and there were some wins in the regular season that i kind of painted like losses to the guys so that they would they wouldn't get comfortable and they wouldn't get complacent and think that everything's okay. Um, and I think that's the job of the head coach to be the eyes of the team from the outside of things that they might've not seen while they're playing the match. So yeah. we tried to keep that yeah. going throughout the year. Well, you mentioned those, you know, again, some of those matches, I'm curious, was there an inflection point at any time this season? Is there a match you can turn to where maybe you saw things click or maybe things didn't click and there was a heart to heart afterwards that got, the team set on the right path. Yeah. I mean, I thought the Ohio state match was a match where we really looked ourselves in the mirror because it was a beating. Yeah. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It was a beating and I was, I was really disappointed in the way we performed and, and we had some honest conversations. So that was, that was great for us. And then the other inflection point was against Florida state. Um, I really didn't like the way we came out in the doubles and, and the singles got really dicey. And, and that was another heart-to-heart that we had in, in one of the hotel conference rooms there in Tallahassee. So that was great for us as well. Um, and I thought we approached the match against Florida State a lot better at the ACC tournament. Do you think it's possible to ever have an easy Florida swing? Like, I feel like if you're going to Florida State and at Miami, it's just like you're probably going one and one. And again, credit to your guys who go 2-0 and on that stretch this season. What makes that stretch so difficult? It's all the flying... And Miami International is just an absolute mess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and like, and the thing is, is that when you go to Tallahassee, if you, if you have to play Miami on Sunday, sometimes your flight gets canceled. It's happened twice already. And then you have to get on a bus last minute and drive down. Um, and then, you know, Miami's home for me. So I, I have all of little Havana there uh, showing up for, for, for the matches or, you know, dinners or whatever. Mm. And so it's just... And there's a lot going on. I'm going home and just the traveling. And um, so it's just a lot. But uh, mm-hmm. but it's it's great for us. Like I said, yeah. I mean, the tougher the regular season is, I'm really embracing this. The tougher the regular season is, the, the more prepared I think we are for, for matches like tomorrow. What's the dinner spot that Saturday night? Where are you going in Miami? Probably Havana Harry's. <laughs> Um, Havana, Havana, Havana Harry's is, is one of my favorites. And, uh, um, Versailles is another great Cuban place in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, La Casita, like I I try and give my guys a little Cuban feel when we go down there. (laughs) I like that. No, that's that again. I'm jealous that I didn't get the meal invite. Like next time I'm coming to the match just for the meal invite, who cares about the tennis that's being played. But, you know, again, to get back to the tennis that's played, uh, you, you've been around some very good teams, and obviously you were an assistant on the 2013 uh, National Championship winning Virginia team as well. We've talked all season long about the parity, about the depth in men's college tennis this season. I'll just ask the question bluntly. Is your team good enough to win the National Championship this season? 
I believe so. Uh, I think we've proven to be points away from from any of the top five teams right now. And so we've put ourselves in positions to win against TCU, against Baylor, against Florida. Um, and th- those teams have been, they've been the best teams in the regular season. And we were points away in every one of those matches. So we're right there. We're right there. It's going to come down to a hair. It's going to come down to a point here or there. And, uh, and we're going to be ready. So, cause we, cause we believe we have the talent and, and we just need to have the energy and keep taking care of the details and understand that NCAA tournament matches are about who's more prepared and who's going to stay the course through adversity and, and, and just keep fighting and not get frustrated. And so we're, we're right there. We are right there with the best of them. I, I have no doubt in my mind. I couldn't agree with you more. And I was talking with my little brother yesterday, a big college tennis fan as well. And he's like, what are the matchups? I was like, you know, seven Virginia versus 10 South Carolina. And he goes, Virginia's a seven seed. And I was like, I know, man. I was like, I don't know either. Like, I couldn't believe it. When you look at the roster, obviously speaks to the depth we have in college tennis. You use the word energy there. This may be a nerdy question. When you're coaching doubles, because obviously all of these guys come to college with a skill set and they can all do a lot of things on court. And I know it's it's a balance between the two. But when you're teaching doubles, are you focusing on the skill set or are you focusing on the energy that's required to be successful in that doubles point? Because it is a one set sprint. And to me, even beyond the X's and O's, it's usually the team with the better energy, in my opinion, that ultimately takes that doubles point. I'm curious if you feel the same way. You know what I've I'm, listen. I'm a young college coach, yeah. and and I've discovered this over the past year probably, is that if you've got great if you've got great players like with great skills and good fundamentals, that if you have the right energy, what that does is it brings the skills out. It it you know it sets it it's like a platform for the skills to come out. If you don't have great energy, then the great skills that your players have, they don't come out. And so I find that the better the energy is, the less I have to coach. And, and now if you have a less skilled team, um, then you need to have the energy, but you also need to coach tactically. Sure. But if you've got a very skilled team like ours, I find it that you don't need to coach that much if they have the right energy and that energy brings their tennis out of them. And, and you know, that's, that's become very clear to me over the last six, eight months. If you could, would you play Scott Brown at three doubles? 1,000%. <laughs> He's got the There's, best yeah, serve from two feet inside the baseline, two steps inside the baseline I've ever seen. Scott is a really good tennis player. Yeah. I'll tell you that. And he's and he's as, he's as good of a player as he is a coach or <laughs> vice versa. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's – especially in doubles. I mean, he's such a great doubles coach, and, and I think he gets that because – you know, he's got great feel out there. So he not only does he understand what the guys feel, but he sees the sees the plays really well. Now, in an all coaching staff battle, like if it comes down to Trent and Scott, because I'm pulling you from that lineup. Sorry, coach. Uh, but I've decided you're not going to you're not going to play there. And we ride with Trent and Scott in like a double shootout. I'm feeling pretty good about that team. I'm feeling really good about that team. Two lefties. <laughs> like 
junking the ball around and you know great vision at the net i mean those guys are really skilled so i i'd put them up against anyone yeah that's the that would be fun and obviously again uh looking at your team you guys are going to take on south carolina here in the super regional let's look big picture and i know we've talked about subjects like this before but super regional or the big host site sweet 16 format which do you prefer i like the super regional because it makes the 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 final eight feel like that much more of an honor um and i remember what that felt like in 2019 and it, it really felt like an honor to be there it's still a huge honor to be there if it's a full 16 draw but um it just makes it that much more special and that much more electric if it's just eight teams and you know selfishly it's nice to play at home and if you're hosting in the in the round of 16 and we've been able to do that fortunately uh the last two times that they've had it this way so um, I kind of like it the way we're we're doing it this year. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I I guess those 9 a.m. matches, the 9 p.m. matches, right? Those are the tough ones. Those are the yeah, um, yeah those are yeah. the ones that just there's not you know it's it's 12 parents of the six members of the lineup plus me. Like that's the only people watching at 9 a.m. and 9 yeah. p.m. And so I, I hadn't I hadn't even thought about that. That's a major reason to keep it at eight. I would say. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it you know did you guys? I don't I don't think you had to go on the road. Did you in 2019? No, no, we were here. Were you constantly checking those rankings? I mean, I know things will fall where they fall, but were you like, all right, are we going to sneak in top eight? Like, oh, that wake loss wasn't the greatest for the resume, et cetera. Is that something you're looking at throughout the season? Yeah, at the end, at the end, just to give me an idea. And because I'm, I mean, it's kind of immature, to be honest. I shouldn't be paying attention to that (laughs) stuff. But but, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully in five or six years, I won't be. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely paying attention. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, we're still number one. That's fine. That's where you want to be, I'm sure, moving yeah. forward. But, you know, again, as you look at this team, uh, obviously South Carolina got a ton of experience, and, you know, they were in the NCAA round of 16 last season as well. As you look at this matchup this weekend, what are be going to be the keys for your team as they try to advance to the quarterfinals? Yeah, I mean, South Carolina's a great team. They've beaten some top five teams. I mean, arguably, Josh Goffey over the last four or five years has done as good of a job as any college coach in the country. So I got to give him a lot of credit. Um, His guys come ready and they're prepared. And so we're going to be going in there with a lot of humility to be to make sure that we're totally ready, but a lot of confidence that that um, we're going to be really tough to beat. So, you know, they're solid at all the spots. They have a great doubles point. Um, So we need to be ready. We need to be ready and and take care of the details over the next 24 hours. And it's it's going to be a battle. And I hope they play their best tennis. I hope they play unbelievable, because, again, my biggest theme this year is that the more we're tested, the better off for our guys developmentally. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to a great college match. This is a random question. How did you guys figure out who's playing Friday, who's playing Saturday? As Virginia, of course, the only school to be hosting super re- uh, two, uh, the men's and women's Super Regionals this weekend. How did you guys determine the schedule? Yeah, first of all, credit to Sarah, right? Unbelievable yeah. year for, for the Lady Wahoos. I'm so proud of them. That's awesome. They work so hard. So such an honor to be in that that category of, of having two teams hosting around 16. But um, – I don't know, Alex. I mean, I felt like if we played on Friday, then we would have one more day off before we play in Champagne. That's sure. probably my mindset there. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's why, that's how I was thinking. Checks out. And by the way, I know you alluded to it there, but what does it mean to the program to have both schools, top eight seeds hosting? 
it's just a really cool story because Sarah and I came in super young head coaches. We'd never been head coaches before. And we came in guns blazing with huge goals. And, and we're close after four and a half years and we've done it together. And, and she's been there for me. I've been there for her. And the, the, you know, the, the kids get along so well and they hang out with each other. Um, they cheer for each other. And it's just been a really cool story of how when both programs work together, this is what's possible, especially if you're at a place like this, which is such an incredible place to go to school. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, talking about that history of your program, you guys recently uh, renamed Center Court, the Gordon Burris, now Center Court. Talk to me about, you know, that ceremony and why that was important to you. That was such a cool day. Uh, Gordon Burris has, has been a pivotal member of the UVA community and a leader for over 45, close to 50 years. I mean, you, you talk to most UVA alums and you say the name Gordon Burris and everybody knows him. Everybody knows who he is. He's impacted their life in some way. Huge ally to Brian Boland before me, huge mentor to me. And so to have his name on our center court, it's just going to remind everyone of his contributions to UVA and a man that just loved that just loves UVA and he just represents everything that's right about our university. He's just such a special guy. His speech was phenomenal, hysterical, off the cuff, uh, just, you know, read the room, typical Gordon Burris fashion and and just a, a treasure of UVA. Over under three and a half days during the year that you have to wear a suit. <laughs> Over under three and a half days that I have to wear a suit. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty over. good number. It's over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Over. Over. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, I try and dress up when it's an important occasion, just out of respect. Fair. Um, I, I wasn't expecting to get on the court with a full suit to hit some balls <laughs> like I did. I don't know if you saw those photos. I did. But... So that's why I asked, because I was going to ask, <laughs> is it still as difficult to hit a forehand through a suit jacket? No, I mean, if... I was like, just don't damage the court because I was wearing like, I was wearing like, like penny loafers and I didn't want to scratch up the courts. So yeah. uh, I was like on my toes gliding out there like Roger so that I don't damage the court. <laughs> yeah, you accidentally slid into a backhand and it was a big whoopsies. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that. Well, uh, by the way, you mentioned Coach Goffey. Did you guys ever play when he was at Clemson? You obviously at Duke, I believe all four years overlapped. Yeah, I don't think we ever played in college. We played in the juniors. We mm -hmm. played once. We played once at Kalamazoo, I remember, mm -hmm. and he got me there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, always a great competitor. And like I said, if you look at the last five, six years, mm -hmm. he has done as good a job as anybody in college tennis with his program. So um, I'm, I'm proud of him, happy for him. And, um, and yeah, we've, had, we've, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah, no, it's one of those fun, you know, rivalries, of course, based in respect. And yeah, I mean, again, two young coaches who I think all of us college tennis fans know we're going to be seeing for quite a bit of time. So coach, as always, appreciate you taking the time to chat, wishing you and the Who's uh, luck and health, of course, not only this weekend, but through the remainder of this 2022 season as well. And I know you guys have some individuals already booked uh, their spot in Champaign. So look forward to seeing you all there. Good luck to you and the Who's this weekend. Thanks, Alex. Yep. Take care. Take care.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Crack Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 